Welcome to the Midlands Young Life Podcast. Here, we hope to post talks from our leaderships, leader weekends, and much, much more. I hope these talks will encourage you to grow deeper in your faith with Christ and make Him known in your community. In this seminar, Pat Goodman talks about a theology of sex in our bodies. He talks openly and honestly about something that can seem pretty taboo even in our Christian culture. Be warned, he'll be real and use real words. But this is such a refreshing take on something that I think we all need to hear. Hope you enjoy from this lesson from Pat Goodman. around our body's desire and sex um, because I've seen so many people really struggle in this area, I think needlessly, and this is an area that I wish someone would have helped me think more about uh, uh, from a good way other than just say don't. I don't think don't works. It's not working, and there's a reason why it's not working, and I want to help you and maybe make a little contribution in some way to your journey that might be helpful to you. And as we get down the road, we'll see and maybe have a little time for questions and, um, and we'll go for them. But I want this to be highly practical, but we're going to really get after it. Is that, you guys okay with that? Yeah. So if you're uncomfortable with that, this might be a good time to leave, <laughs> but we're going to get after it. So I want to read you something. How beautiful your sandaled feet, O prince's daughter. Your graceful legs are like jewels. Your navel is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. Your waist is a mound of wheat. Your breasts are like two fawns. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes are the pools of Heshbon. Your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon. Your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. Your stature is like that of the palm and your breasts like clusters of fruit. That's in the Bible. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Like I think people are what? I want you to know that um, this is something so dynamic. So let me ask you, what do you hear from the culture and maybe from media or your friends when it comes to this whole arena about our bodies and sex? Like just what do you hear out there? Like what, what, what's, what do you hear? It's your own, so you can do what you want. It's your own? It's your own. It's your own. And inherent in that is... It, it, is it your own? Like, I'm, I live in my myself. And you do what you want. Like, nobody's asking, is what I want, is, there, is it just no outcome? So here's what I know. There's wisdom. Remember this again. See, wisdom is play in every arena of life, okay? It's not just, quote, a spiritual thing. Like, God isn't, isn't dividing this. God made what kind of a world? Visible or invisible? Visible. <laughs> We're going to have just as much fun. Trust me, okay? <laughs> so, all right, keep going. What else do you hear? Huh? It's healthy. It's healthy. What do you mean by that, Seth? Healthy. Like to, I don't know, explore. To explore. It's healthy to maybe try some things, right? It's healthy. It's natural. You know, like, I want to tell you, some of the stuff we're going to talk about today is going to sound a little crazy counterculture, but I hope you have some reasons in a, in a meeting, you know, think for this, like, I mean, like, why would you ever consider getting married without experiencing stuff sexually? With others or with that person, like how would you know? <laughs> right? Keep on, just a couple more, real quick. No, like consequences. No consequences. Yeah. You believe that, Luke? No. No consequences. Okay, well, here's a consequence. We have porn industries, multi-billion-dollar industry. It's a consequence of those people. I'm going to share some stories. Over 27 million people sex traffic. We have 40-year-old men using 12-year-old girls and younger. There's no consequence in that. We have people that have literally gotten in bed with numerous people and still don't know if they're loved. I, mean, we, I could go on and on and on about this, right? 
But I also know this. There are believers, quote, who've waited, tried to do it right, got married, and they were woefully disillusioned by the sexual life they had in their marriage to the point they said, it's not what you people tell you. It's not worth it. What's with that? See, you don't get someplace by accident. I want you to keep thinking iceberg through all this. Keep thinking illustration. Maybe one more. Then we'll, keep, we'll move on. Anybody else? What, are, what else do you hear out there? Anything else besides these? There's a culture of one night stands and like no strings attached. Yeah, one night stands, no strings attached, right? I just put no strings. It's interesting. Um, the, People that wrote, you know, um, excuse me, Friends with Benefits, the guy that made that movie, he said, you know, the, the reality, it's the producer said it sounds good, but it's just not, it's not reality. Even he said that. And we're going to find out why. Again, there's reasons why this, these things are true. This isn't just like the faith community going, bad boy, bad boy, bad girl, bad girl, no, 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 bad, 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 bad. That's not about it. So let me ask you even this. Think about this. What has shaped your perspective or your beliefs about your body and sexual, your sexual behavior, this reality in your life more than anything. Like, where, where, what do you think has spoken most into your journey or even what perspectives you hold right now? Does anybody want to say, hey, this, that, and the other? I mean, like, what's really kind of influenced you the most in where you're at right now in your own journey? Anybody? Because, I mean, you got to some place for a reason. There's things that you're doing or not doing based on something. You didn't just get here by action. Maybe you never thought about it before. I don't know. But I'm just saying, when you think about what's really kind of been the loudest vote for you, like where's that coming from? Which kind of shaped how your your conclusions you kind of come to? Anybody? Yeah, thanks. Say social media is huge. Social media is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Keep going. Yeah. What? Friends. Friends. My friends. Your parents. Your parents. Yeah. Depending on that relationship, right? What you've seen, what you deserve. So we've got parents, social media, my friends. Like, these things are varied, yeah. Like, your maybe your own sense of conscience, right? There's kind of, there's a, there's an oughtness in you. This is interesting. I wish we had more time about that, but, yeah, I, I think that's right. There's just something that says, God, this is it? I mean, like, how many of you in the course of a day see stuff and you go, man, that isn't right? Even atheists think this, right? Like, how do they know? Because here's, there's a code in the world. It's called the creation, fall, Redemption, restoration. Four big themes of the Bible. Let me tell you, these are wisdom. It's in there. You can't change it. If you change the word creation to how it ought to be or should be, and the fall to how it is, everybody, you can, the most, even unchurched person will, will you, if you followed them around the course of the day, I guarantee you, you'd, help, you'd hear them say something like this. Dude, that's not right. Well, when somebody says something isn't right, they're basically saying they believe something is right and that what's going on isn't. They're basically talking about creation and fall without even knowing it. Something intuitively. Now the tension becomes how can it be different than it is if it isn't how it ought to be. This is where our story comes into play. But here's, thank you all for this because here's why I ask you guys this. Few things get more attention and the focus in our bodies today. Would you guys agree with that? You know, it doesn't take, right? We mean like our shape, size, this, that, and the other. And it doesn't take long before we realize that our desires housed within our body, particularly our sexual desire, is a powerful thing. And I think a lot of times in the believing community, it's like that elephant in the room that nobody talks about, but everybody hopes everybody's doing okay with, all right? Raise your hand at any point in time, because I don't know if you've ever been to Niagara Falls, but if you get right, if you ever go get right near the edge, because you can, there's fences there, and it is so scary, the power. It's like, and there's a sign right there on the, I think the Canadian or the U.S. side that says this, beyond the point of no return. It's the most disheartening sign you'd ever see if you were in the water. Imagine just being in the water, all of a sudden you see this, and you're just looking over this raging sense of energy and force beyond the point of no return. I think a lot of times, you know, our sex or sexual drive gets treated kind of like that. And we live in a culture that says sex is no big deal, yet we are obsessed with it. Absolutely obsessed. So for something to be no big deal and it drives us is just amazing to me. So here's what's so important. I want to focus on this and here's why we need to talk about this. It isn't because something's so bad. 
I want to talk about this today because it's something that's so good. And we've got to learn not what we're against, but what we're for. The problem isn't that you and I think about sex too much. The problem is, is we don't know how to think about it, period. We just don't know how to think about it. So most of us, we get into our faith reality and like we're, we're kind of like, whoa, I keep hearing about above the waterline behavior, but nobody's talking to me about anything else and I don't know what to do. Does this make sense to you guys? And so, um, and so I want to ask the question, what does it mean to actually be a human being? Because the price tag for getting this wrong, you guys, is killing us. It's wiping people out emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually because we can't get this wrong. And we have, and I personally believe this, that believers, we got to be some of the most um, flexible, malleable, um, able-bodied people to be able to articulate and talk about our desires, sex, and relationships over anybody on the planet. And most of us aren't. Because here's what I can tell you, how comfortable and well-versed you are, if and when you have kids, they're going to look to you, you're going to be their first voice. And what are you going to give them? This is huge. So here's what we know. God, let's think about this, made a physical world. And he called it what when he made it? Good. So then after God, though, makes mankind and Adam, and what does he call it then? Very good. Isn't this great? So when you think about this, so God creates Adam, right? And it's the only time in Scripture where you hear God, it's not good for man to be alone, meaning God made us for a community. So God doesn't bring something, you know, uh, with hooves and stuff to Adam. He actually brings this incredible thing called a woman. The Hebrew expression, when Adam sees her, now this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman. That sounds kind of like, oh, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she'll do. No, 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 no. It's kind of this like, oh my God, it's just like, whoa. Like, I didn't have no concept of that. Like, that is amazing. And so, I mean this in a good way, so when you think of curves and breasts and a penis and a vagina and hair and softness of skin, like, we don't need to be uncomfortable with this, like, it's not our idea. The creator of the heavens, who put the stars in the sky, this is his idea. Think of how many things in scripture talk about our body, the eyes of the Lord search to and fro, talks about the use of our mouth. How great are the feet of him who brings what? Good news. We could go on and on about this. I'm only saying to you, we need to think about this. So have you ever thought about why, though? I know we have bodies, but why do we have them? Why didn't God just make us invisible talking spirits? Where are we going to go? Seth, how are you? I'm fine. I can't see you. No, I can't see you either because we can't see each other. It's just a planet of Casper the Friendly Ghost. We just kind of are out there talking to each other. Why did God, you ever think about this? See, here's the deal. We try to just talk behavior and let people get away with stuff without even asking, like, hey, I forget the behavior. Maybe just stop and go, like, hey, do you ever think about why you even have a body? Uh, no. Think about this, how incredible. We don't have time to go into just this human body, but this is crazy. Or these bodies having within them a desire for sexual intimacy. Like, why didn't God just, as I said, make us, you know, just uh, invisible spirits with this desire for sex and union, but we can't have it because we don't have bodies to have it. Here's what I know. One of the beauties of Scripture tells us this, that we cannot not desire Told you this last night. So it must mean that it's possible to have sexual desire in a way that's good and life-giving. Would you agree with that? Desire is here to stay, the big D. It's not going away. What talks about desire, good or bad, is its direction. It can be life-giving, or it can create an illusion that in time will kill you, will actually hurt you, even for a season. It takes you down the road before you know it. Like you know, Nobody gets massively, massively overweight in a day. Nobody is an alcoholic with one drink. It, it takes time. Most people, I said, when you're on the road, I get it, but it's the same thing. You can end up places you never imagined if we don't think about this. But think about this. Romans 1, verse 18 says this, that God's eternal power in nature is seen through what he is what? Made. It's glorious. Like, there's things that we can only know about God through his creation. You think about how beautiful it is that our five senses, you know, that we can take more of God's goodness and magnificence. And aren't you glad that there's more than one taste? What if everything tastes the same? 
What if every color was like red or gray or just blue and it's all the same? Imagine a planet of just men. Or just women. And there's no variety. And we all look the same. Like, we go like, what? Like, there's so much grandeur in all of that. And um, it's interesting. I've even asked guys who haven't known the Lord in young life. You know, I've had guys who say, I don't believe in God. I said, well, you can believe whatever you want. But let me ask you, are you interested in girls? And they go like, what? I go, you go, what? They go, what does that have to do with it? I go, well, I'm just asking. Like, are you? Yeah. Like, do you like press? And they look at me like, dude, are you seriously asking me this? Like, dude, I'm seriously asking you this. They go, of course. You like shape? Yes. That's really interesting to me. The thing that takes most of your time and thought that you're consumed with, God Almighty made, and you want what he made more than anything else, but you don't want him. It's intriguing to me to think that you don't want to be interested in the God who made the thing that you're more interested in than anything else. And I'm only talking from a guy's perspective. They went like, that's interesting. Yeah. Just think about that. And we began to talk about these things. You know, think about this. Like, have you ever thought about sexual intimacy? And I've asked guys this, you know. Um, I even did this with some guys in my house a number of years ago. They, they were all over the map spiritually. And so we got into this conversation, you know, because these things matter. These things show up. There's an order to things, right? Like God actually creates a material world. Then he creates a body that has certain things. Everything has a context. Like things have a context. They don't just come out of nowhere. So sexual intimacy. How many of you ever thought about this? could possibly display the union of what it means to have a relationship with God Almighty. You think, what the heck are you talking about? Think about this. In the garden, Adam and Eve come together, right? It says that they leave, they cleave, then they what? Become one. In every, they become one. That's sexual union. Sexual union has a context. Here's the deal. You can have it whenever you want. All I'm saying is the first context where it flourished was in a context of exclusivity and loyalty. And think about this. God Almighty, the one thing that he wants from any of us more than anything else is what? You will have no other gods before who? Me. He wants exclusivity and loyalty. In the garden, God basically said this. You can do a million things, a million. You don't even have to ask. I only don't want you to do one. Just one. It's very simple. Don't distrust me. Don't betray this affection and this loyalty. In the garden, the first thing we see is a what? Marriage, so to speak. The prophets, when they talk about sin, Hosea, Jeremiah, we have to think sin. Sin is when you cuss. When you, you know, Here's how they talk about it. Spiritual adultery. You prostituted yourself under every tree. Basically, they use marital language to describe sin. In essence, you betrayed your first love. You could say you've gotten in bed with the wrong lover spiritually. You've given the affection that's due Almighty God to the wrong thing called an idol. You've given that a passion to the wrong thing. Isn't that intriguing? That sin is described as a betrayal of a marital, if you will, relationship in many ways. You're meant for this, but you've done this. Crazy. Then Jesus comes. Jesus is known in the New Testament as our groom. His followers or church is known as his what? How about that? How about that? And then in Revelation 17, uh, 19, 7, it says one day that the groom or the lamb, the groom is going to come back to get his, you ready? What? Oh, what is it? Think about this. On their wedding night, this is crazy. When the bride and groom come together, the bride literally opens herself to her groom. So that the part of her body that's been created by God, she opens so that the part of his body that God made can actually fit in to that part of her body. He doesn't have to take her by force. She literally wants him in her. She wants him to come into her body. And when he does in this union of exclusivity and loyalty, then he releases his life-giving seed into her womb that has the potential to bring new life. When we are born again, we literally ask the groom as his, quote, bride to come into us through his spirit, and we willingly open ourselves to him, and he literally penetrates our soul with the life-giving seed of his spirit and births new life. How many ever thought of intercourse 
Here's an illustration for new birth. This high school dudes I talked to, they went, dude, that's heavy, man. <laughs> like I never thought of that. I went, yeah. Here's why I know. Sex is not just sex, ever. You can say what you want. We didn't create it. We don't get to vote on what it is. Does that make sense? It is what it is for a reason. And so when we don't get this right, here's the challenge though. Can we trust God? See, this is why the theme of scripture creates this so much in the vision of its oughtness. It always has a context. And we know this. This is why somebody, you know, um, doesn't cheat on his wife or mistress. You know, if somebody's having, I've worked with men, and I know guys who've had affairs and they're doing crazy stuff. They don't come to their wife and go, hey, I'd like to take you and the woman that I've messed around with a little bit out to dinner and thank both of you. Like, that's crazy thinking, right? And they never do that. You know why? Because they know they betrayed loyalty. They get that within their heart. So the deeper question I think that we all have to understand, we know this, that promiscuity doesn't ever replace our longing for fidelity and a loyal love. We know this is true. But we do this when we listen to the wrong things. And so it leads us. So when we live in a culture that acts like sex is no big deal, it's simply behavior, there's no price tag, there's no strings attached, you can kind of do what you want. I mean, it sounds great, it just doesn't work. So we watch movies like Fifty Shades of Grey and other things, and it gets crazy, right? It's interesting. You know the people who bought more of those books than anybody else? It wasn't men. You know who it was? It was women. And you're pretty much talking about masochistic sex, like brutal, violent stuff going on. But intrigued in that is this somewhat longing of still feeling wanted. That's the lure, isn't it? But could it be that I'm wanted? And so we go on to this, and here's what we don't know. Sex is never just sex, or act like it's no big deal for a couple reasons. Let me just give you some. Scott McKnight talks about this in his book, um, One Dot Life, but it's so beautiful. When orgasm takes place, again, we don't get a vote on this. This happens, okay? It doesn't matter whether you're, you're masturbating by yourself or you're having sex or whatever you're doing. Dopamine's released. It's a feel-good hormone. It literally is the same hormone release when somebody does cocaine. It basically says, that feels really good, and I want that again. Like, sex outside of commitment doesn't feel bad, or people wouldn't do it. It's not like smacking your head with a hammer. <laughs> but nobody talks about the honesty of it either, about what's really going on. But here's what I can tell you. It is the feel-good hormone. You set something in motion. You go back, you get it again. Now you get it again, and you get it again, and now you need more of it to get the same hit. This is what addiction typically is. It's no different. You get a hit. It's interesting, though, in marriage, where people know you're having sex, it doesn't come as an addictive reality. There's freedom. I, I, it's a mystery to me. It's a mystery. But outside of it, it often becomes addictive. I will say this in a minute. When people act, well, I don't want to get there too soon. Here's something else that happens. In sexual intercourse, something also happens. Oxytocin is released in women and vasopressin. These are hormones released in men. These aren't up for votes. These are chemically proven to take place. You have at least three hormones. You have <clears throat> dopamine, feel-good hormone. You have oxytocin in women, vasopressin in men. Those are the bonding hormones. These things just happen. These are things that connect you to the person you're doing this with. This is why you think you just walk away. No big deal. Prove it to you. So here's the deal. So a number of years ago, I'm teaching uh, at this in our church, I happened to be teaching one week, and this woman came up to me after the service. She literally walked down the aisle, and she had this tainted beauty in her face. And you could tell that she there was just a, man, there's a hardness a little bit, but she was seemed sweet, and she had this kind of an attractive dress, not really low cut, a little cleavage, but she was sitting there, and she goes, hey, uh, I really want to, I really like to believe what you're talking about. And I go, okay. And I got her name, and we were chatting, and we were talking about being new, I think, that week. And she goes, I really want to believe that, but it's hard. I go, what do you mean? She goes, well, I'm a masseuse. I went, okay. I mean, I thought she meant like she was a massage therapist or something. So we just chat, and she goes, maybe you didn't hear me. Like, I'm a masseuse. I go, like, yep. She goes, you don't, you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? I go, like, probably not. If you tell me, I don't. She goes, I'm a stripper. I go, okay. I go, so how does all this coordinate? 
And this is what she told me. I go, well, how do you feel when this takes place? And this is what she told me. This is going to be raw. And she said this. She goes, you know, they're all just mind fucks for me. And then she said this. But I remember every face. And tears started running down her eyes. She turned around and she walked out. I've never seen her since. You see what desire crazy does? I'm sitting there thinking, oh my God. Thank you, God, by your mercy. And I don't mean this in a self-justifying way that I would never want to do anything to make a woman feel like that. That's not human. And she thinks she's not worth anything. She said before that, she goes, I have a 13-year-old daughter that I hardly ever talk to. That comes home and slams her door. And this lady makes so much money doing this. And you know who she's stripping for? Any idea? It's called men. How do we get there? How do we allow this? Is, it, is this really the best we can do? This isn't about being a good boy or bad boy. This is about being a human being. And the only way you can live in this is you have to numb yourself to do this. And so here's what often happens in this. When desire gets bent or twisted or profaned, it just leads to places. And here's what Dallas Willard said. When you're hurting, like think of your heart, the easiest place to go to to feel alive is your body. When you're alone or you feel insignificant, we'll talk more about this tonight, or insecure, you just want to get away, you want to feel a little pop, I get it. And uh, I want to tell you one more quick story, but um, you know what the word lust means? It's really interesting. It's that big word, right, that we all get jacked up about. Like, what am I lusting? Am I lusting? Am I lusting now? I don't know. Like, I think that guy's really hot. That girl's, like, really hot. Like, oh, my gosh, she bent over, and I saw part of her breast. Like, am I lusting? You know, like, I, I kind of want her to lean over again, you know? It's kind of like, wow. You know, like, I didn't think that up. Like, I just, it's drawn to that dude. Like, it's like, come on, you know? Like, I get it. I get it. But this word lust, is, it's an interesting word. Um, luxuria, it, it, the, um, the word in Matthew 5.28, you guys know that Jesus said, if anyone looks at a woman, you, I think you also meant to lust for them, bleep on is the word. And what it really means, lust in its purest form just really means a strong desire. <coughs> strong desire. It's not bad in its essence, just strong <coughs> desire. Where that strong desire becomes lust, if you will, this word Jesus used to look at her, means to fixate upon, to objectify or overindulge with the purpose of self-gratification. It means I'm literally feasting on somebody and taking from them, but in many ways dehumanizing them, or as Christopher West says, I'm using them as the sum of their parts, where they become something instead of someone that I evaluate a person based on the sum of their parts. Larger the breasts, more value hanging with that. We know this in high school. I'm just telling you, the girls in my high school that developed a little earlier got more attention. Not all, but some. I'm just telling you. And it was, it was crazy how some of this goes on. What Jesus is saying, it's not somebody who sees beauty. Lust isn't seeing beauty and valuing it or thanking God for it. Thank God that a man's body looks the way it does, or a woman's body looks the way it does. God made this. And here's the thing. We can do two things with our bodies. One, we can totally devalue them and treat them horribly and abuse them. Or two, we can idolize them and worship them. We're not meant to do either one. But this word really means to fixate, objectify, overindulge for the purpose of self-gratification. It isn't seeing beauty and appreciating it. It's learning. See, this is where Jesus gives us freedom, but it can be scared, right? Learning to receive the proper degree of delight from it. <clears throat> and know where if I any more, like for instance, if you're eating, do you guys have a sense when you've had enough where it's going to be from good to gorging? Do you have a sense in that? Well, do you in your sexual life? I mean, could you say, whoa, like, okay, like that's enough. Like I'll give you an idea. My wife's sitting right in the back. We used to go to... Uh, 
Um, Sandbridge, every year, and my wife can testify to this, we'd be sitting on the beach with our family, and inevitably, Virginia Beach is, there's colleges around, inevitably, a couple of young maidens would come walking down the beach, or college girls, with serious bikinis on. And I don't know what they paid for them. Trust me when I tell you, they did not get their money's worth. <laughs> because there was way more showing than covered up. I mean, I'm just telling you, you know, the thong, you know, my, the, both their butts, cheeks are hanging out, you know, or part of it. And, and I, you know, like, so here's the deal. Like, I got my sunglasses on. You know, they're the kind that nobody can tell what you're looking at. You know, you're kind of right there, you're there. My wife is literally sitting right next to me. Honey, am I right or am I, yeah, right there. Now, here are these two gals coming down. Here are these two or three gals coming down, you know, like, they haven't had three children, like my wife. And they're, uh, they're babes, you know, and, and I'm not trying to be gross or crude, but, you know, their breasts are revealed, and they are really, they're attractive. They walk right by. What do you think my wife might be thinking? You guys don't have to be embarrassed. We're, we can handle this thing. Anybody, ladies, anybody have a thought? What do you think might be going through her mind? Huh? I mean, she knows I see this. <laughs> She's not an idiot. Like, she gets it. She knows I'm a man. Like, we actually talk about this stuff. What do you think she might be thinking? What's that? He better turn his head the other way. <laughs> she might have thoughts about herself. Is he comparing me? Am I enough? Does maybe he want them in an illusionary dream world more than me? Now, here's my responsibility. How do I handle that? That, 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 It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I'm telling you, it doesn't work. Or I look down and go, honey, I'll be right back! And I just take off and I run off the beach. No. I can't do my verses, Lord. You said, I gotta do the verses. Thank you, thank you. I just, no. Bigger question. Here it is. What kind of man do I want to be? Goes to the heart. Number two, Lord, thank you for beauty. And you've given me beauty. You've given me beauty. There's no comparison here. I can literally look at those girls and go, God, great work. Great work. And now I'm done eating. Who has to control you other than you, ultimately? I guess the point is, I know I'm making an illustration, like, at some point, you don't push away from the table, you're going to overeat. And at some point, you're going to turn someone into a something. And it's not Betsy's responsibility, it's my responsibility not to dial it up in my brain and have an illusionary world. That would be lust. I don't want to be that kind of man. Am I capable of it? Oh, yes. I'm capable of anything. And here's the point. If you don't learn, now again, I didn't, you know, you have to learn to do these kinds of things over time. So my son, this is really funny. I, I, um, a number of years ago, well, uh, we were watching Super Bowl a number of years ago. I don't know if you guys remember this, but Beyonce was doing the halftime show. Is this stuff making sense to you guys? Because I want to talk about it. Good. Beyonce was doing the halftime show in... Uh, What's the group that she was with for a while? Destiny's, Destiny's Child, thank you. So I'll never forget this. We were at this people's house. They had this massive, you know, big screen TV. And they come down and Beyonce, man, like, she is looking good. Like, she got, again, she got, got a lot on, man. She's doing the booty thing, baby. I mean, like, she's got Destiny's Child comes out. And I'll never forget this. There was a bunch of young women and then a whole group of guys that were in this year-long fellowship together trying to grow in their faith and do serious things. So all the young gals are in their early 20s, guys the same age. All the young women were like, yeah, and they're screaming and yelling, and all the dudes are like, oh my gosh, like, you know, they like, they can't help her. They're like, oh, you know, and if I could, and I'm kind of in the back, and I'm kind of like laughing, going, look at this man, like, this is so, I didn't want to say funny, because it wasn't quite funny, but sort of, because you can tell these guys were like, man, like, I really want to do the right thing, but can I look? Like, should I look? Like, can I trust myself to look? Like, I don't know. And if I could have pushed pause and said, okay, let's have a conversation about what we all know just happened, except for the ladies. They don't know what just happened. All the guys do. We're going to talk about this right now. That would have been a crazy discussion, right? It would have been so. But so my point is, how do you get to the point where you can enjoy a good thing without making it a bad thing? Because sometimes even a good thing can become a bad thing if you use it the wrong way. Like a good desire can become a profane desire when it is pushed 
and miss without a framework. See, this way you get back. Why did God give us a body? To torture us? No, to declare his glory. Sex has a context. You can do whatever you want. You just can't change it. It will own you if you don't own it. You do bond. These things happen. It's, you, you know, tell you what, like, you go have sex with, again, God heals. This was what's so beautiful wherever you've been, but I'm just telling you, this, there, there are realities and price tags to this. So, you know, pornography has come into the world. Porn is simply a perversion. It, it is the manifestation or the living out of lust that's gotten bent. It is the living out of literally taking something where we fixate or objectify and overindulge from my own satisfaction. It creates an artificial world where you artificially stimulate and it simply allows you to satisfy your sexual desire as though it's just like something you just eat and just do it and there's no consequence. You don't have to shower. You don't have to have a conversation. You don't have to engage. You don't have to brush your teeth. You don't have to do anything. You literally create a false world where you engage and it distorts reality. It makes you think you have something you really don't have. And the crazy thing is when you do it and you engage in it, and more and more women are dealing with this too, I'm just saying, think about the world. What are we doing to people? This Is, is it human? It's a trafficking world, really. I forgot to bring it, but I had a picture of a woman who was a pornographic star and Barbara Walters is interviewing her. And she acts like she's really happy. And Barbara Walters says, you, you kind of act like you're happy in some of the stuff you're doing. Like, what? And then she starts, she goes, well, I don't want anybody to know how I really feel. She goes, what do you mean? She goes, I really hate myself. That true story is like a 60-minute thing. She didn't hate herself because she's a terrible person. She hates herself because she's allowed herself. But here's the point. At some point, that woman was a little girl. And it's innocent as a fresh, freshly driven snow. And maybe she developed early. I don't know. And maybe she, her dad wasn't around. I don't know. Maybe she felt she got some attention and started feeling like, you know, I somehow can use this thing I got to get some other stuff that I really want. Got a firm, got money, got into this world. Now she's a superstar. She gets a firm. But for everything that she doesn't even know that she is, she still doesn't know who she is. The rates of suicide in that world are crazy. And this is all I'm trying to say to us is it, it goes someplace because I think it perverts our real desire for commitment and, and committed sexual intimacy. You guys, is this a battle? Yes. Is it counterculture? Couldn't be more. But this isn't about, oh, I gotta stay away. Here's what I know. When you get into this world and then you get into it, you, you will get sexually excited. Most people will end up have, uh, you know, pleasuring themselves to the point where they have an orgasm. You keep, again, dopamine goes off. You indirectly bond with even with what you see. Pretty soon you keep going there, you're creating neuropathways. You literally are. And then you want more, and you want more, and you want more. Before you know it, you have gone to a place of taking what God made that's a natural response to a place where now that owns you and you are in a world you don't know how to get out of. And I will tell you this from experience through people I know, this ruins marriages and relationships. If you think that marriage solves that problem, I'm telling you, it does not. Because in marriage, you do not just always have sex every day. You could, but sometimes people are sick, and you start having babies. Uh, wifey, when she's nine months pregnant, eight months pregnant, after she has a baby, I'm telling you, it's like, dude, you're gonna have to wait a little bit. And all I'm saying, what do you wanna do? Life, you talk about these things. How do you help each other? How do you navigate these things? I'm just telling you, Proverbs 21:30 says this, there's no wisdom there's no insight, there are no plans that will ever succeed against the Lord. Do whatever you want. You just are not 
You're going to do whatever you want and not have God's best. When Jesus came to reconcile the world, how much of it do you think he came to reconcile? All of it. He wants all of it. So, Pat, tell me, five minutes, what do I do? Dude, like, look at me, I'm this age, and I got desire. Like, what the heck? You tell me not to feel that? No. Here's what I am telling you. First of all, learn to dissect the messages. Speak truth to these things. Don't be willing to say, what's the message, and am I taking the bait? Temptation just means to bait or lure. And I'm telling you, the evil one always uses real stuff with a hook in it. It's a fishing term. <laughs> the best fishing bait is a real bait with a hook. And I'm just telling you, second of all, I think some creative we can help each other versus tempt each other. You ladies, I just want you to tell you this is not a criticism. I'm telling you this. And guys, you can vote or not, but I promise you, we rarely will not accommodate. We'll look at whatever you show us. For the most part. I mean, not even, you know, like, we will. So just notice it. I, I raised two daughters. Like, I was just, you know, I had one of my daughters asked me once she was first time she was thinking about wearing a bikini. I said, look, I just got to tell you this. It's not like bad, bad, bad. Stop wearing that. I want to learn how to think. I just want you to know, you look great. In fact, you look amazing. <laughs> but I want you to know that we won't not enjoy what you're bringing. And I don't know the capacity of every guy you're looking at to take in stuff the right way without gorging himself. So you got to decide what you want to do. <laughs> Fortunately, she put that one away. It's like, thank you, Jesus. You know what I mean? That was good. <laughs> Here's it. Your mind matters. Try to pay. You know, your mind has the ability to think about what it's thinking about. Do you know that? It's crazy. You can even ask yourself right now, what am I thinking? Manage your mind. Have a contact. Be aware of this thing, right? I would say this. Know yourself well enough to win early and be smart. Look, I'm free to go see a lot of things today, movies and everything else. This isn't legalistic. There's some movies I see that are R-rated, some I don't. And some of it's because what it says about humanity, I just don't want to go there. I just don't want to have to deal with some of the stuff. Others I do. Look, I can handle at this stage of my life seeing a breast. It's not like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Honey, I just saw a breast. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> like, okay, like, get over it, dude. Like, you know, like, I think we all know what they look like or what a penis looks like. We get it. I would say this. If you're struggling, really struggling, no shame. Just get help. Get some help. First of all, tell a good, loyal friend. Go see somebody. A great resource. There's a book by Christopher West called Fill These Hearts. I highly recommend it. It's an easy read. He is a tremendous theologian on the body called Fill These Hearts, Get Help. I'm going to take a risk here in the last minute and talk about something that um, you said that's great, but that's not enough. And I, it's a topic I think you all are aware of. Or my, it's a topic of masturbation. Number one, I want to say right up front, I'm not telling you what to do or not do. I'm not an authority on this. I'm just going to tell you what I think from my perspective, ups and downs, to be aware because it's an honest reality. I know that we live in a world that's highly sexualized. I also know as a human being um, that we all have different hungers in this arena. And you think, well, how do I manage this or whatever? You know, ladies and men are obviously different. You know, men, we have a part of us that, you know, um, come, you know, when we get excited, what's in us comes out of us. That's not necessarily just the same for a woman in that regard. So, you know, we often don't have these things called a wet dream every now and then, it's particularly growing up as a young boy. There's times literally you'll be sitting on a bus in eighth grade and it's all of a sudden, oh, I got an erection. Like, what is that about? What do I do now? Like, guys know what I'm talking about here. It's like weird, you know? But all I'm saying to you is this. Um, this is something you'd have to go before the Lord with. I would say just some bigger principles, number one. I get the longing, but I think I don't, sex was made. I think it is something that at its best, is done with another person. When we basically have sex alone, I'm not saying that's bad, what I'm saying is, sometimes you still want another person. So how do you think you bring that person to you? In your thoughts, or you go to a screen, or you do something. And a lot of times it leads, I think, to repetitive behavior that's very devaluing. And you're grooving something. And I'm telling you, that you have to be careful. What are you grooving? Are you grooving what you want to groove? It's not something you're doing with a bunch of people. Like, you have to really consider this. You know, if you're involved in something like that and it's a 
pornographic thing or you're dialing up and making conjure things in your brain, I think you're doing detriment to the reality of who you are as a person and your own health in this regard. If somebody were to say to me, hey, Goody, like, are you telling me, like, okay, well, periodically I just feel like my sexual desire just helps me stay in a place to be healthy. I didn't ask for the desire, but if I would, you know, do that without conjuring up stuff in my mind or being illicit or something like that just to, <coughs> as a release in myself, you know, if you tell me that's wrong, I personally am not hung up on it. I think the question is, are you a slave to it? The scripture said, I'll not be enslaved to anything. Your body isn't just your own. It is the Lord's. And I think it's like you need to honor God with your body. I will also say this. Um, this sounds crazy, but the Lord's aware of what you're doing and sees everything we do, just like he sees when you take a shower when you eat. Like, it's not like he's not aware. So you can talk to him about it. Like, he gave you the body, right? Like, we don't think this way, right? I know we don't, but um, it's kind of crazy. Like, I... Jesus was a man, and he went through puberty. I know that might sound weird, because nobody ever says, like, no, he was different. No. No, he wasn't. He was a man. He was tempted like us in every way, yet without sin. I'm just trying to get us over, like, you know, <coughs> sexual desire is not sinful. It can be if it goes in the wrong direction. I think we talked about that. Does that make sense? Yeah. You've got to figure out with the Lord how to manage what you have, not because something's so bad, but I want to ask you, it's so good, what? do you want? In a culture that says it's no big deal, I want to say to you, it's an amazing deal. It's huge. It's the very thing that God uses to express intimacy with himself, and it matters. And if you take care of this area of your life and get to a point where, God, you find someone that you love and can walk with, it'll be amazing. Let me give you one quick, quick final illustration. I think I have five minutes. Is it 11.55, I think? I mean, we end, we're good. so uh, my son Josh is on Young Life staff in Baltimore City, and I still have the privilege of working with him with some kids down there on Thursdays. And a couple of years ago, we were with these group of guys. This, again, is a little harsh, but you can handle it. Um, I'll never forget this. We were with a group of boys, and we were down there. Like, I, I never knew there were so many names for sexual words from these young guys. Like, I didn't know. I was like, dude, just, you know, it's sex, it's coochie, it's this. It's just, can we pick one word so the old guy gets it? Like, I don't know what we're talking about. So, in this one time, this one kid, you know, out of nowhere, we'd have these conversations. He goes, man, I got to say something. I go, what? He goes, you know, uh, there's this girl. When I got done banging her, I didn't feel good about it. I went, sometimes they don't say stuff. And I go, what? He goes, yeah. Like, there's times after I'm done banging her, like, I didn't feel good about that. I go, like, um, did you ever think maybe you shouldn't feel good about it? And the word just banging was just like, ah, oh, it was tough, right? So this other young boy, eighth grader across the, the way, across the room goes, what are you talking about, man? Like, girls want you to do that. Like, you don't do that to girls that you respect or girls that you know or stuff. But they're girls that wouldn't respect you. They wouldn't think you're a man if you don't bang them. And I go, he goes, that's what it means to be a man. And I go, well, what if that was what it means to be a coward? The room got so quiet, I thought, man, I'm going to get beat up. Like, I know it. I know I am. <laughs> and I go, he goes, what do you mean? I go, okay, let me play out a scenario. You tell me what you want. You get one vote. One. You can have all the women you want in your life. You can do whatever you want, or you get one. It already sounds crazy in our culture, doesn't it? Just even say, but I said, here's what's going to happen with that one. One day, dude. That you're going to come up, you're going to find someone that says, you know what, I want to spend my life with you. Like, you're it. And you get married, you actually come together, and you actually begin to learn what it means to have sexual intimacy together. And when you come home from work, you eat work, and you kind of come home, and you share your life, your day, the dishes, you laugh, you giggle, you kind of have some spats, but then one day your wife comes home and goes, dude, I'm pregnant, I'm having a baby, and you, you have, all of a sudden she delivers this little thing, and it looks kind of like you, dude. And you bring it home, and every, you, you can't wait to get there after work. And you run home, and you see that little thing, and you love it. It keeps you up at night, drives you crazy, like you're sleepless, and let you love it. And it pukes on you, and you clean it up. And, you know, all of a sudden, you're watching it walk, and all of a sudden, you're just happy. And you're looking over at your wife, and she's kind of smiling at you, and you're kind of proud to be a dad, you know. And all of a sudden, she goes, I had it again. I'm pregnant again. We got two of these little things now. And now, you know, you start to have birthdays and you go have some traditions and you go get a little Christmas tree here and there and you laugh and you have some hard times and you decide, man, I don't know if I want to stay in this marriage or not. But you think, man, I can't find anybody like her. Like, she still loved me. And we get together and I just portrayed this whole thing going out through life to this guy. And I said, but then later on, you know, you're in your 70s and she comes home one day and goes and looks at you and goes, you know, I got cancer. 
I only got a couple months to live. Your kids are grown and grandkids, and they all come over one night, that last night, before she takes her last breath, and she's holding your hand, and she looks you in the face in front of your whole family. She goes, I want to thank you. It's been a long ride. I'd do it again if I could do it again. You stood by me. We did some really hard things. Look at our family. We did a pretty good job, didn't we? We loved God together. We laughed and we made love. And we built a family and we have a legacy. And I want you to know if I could do it over again, I'd want to just do it with you because I love you. Thank you for being the man that you are. She took her last breath. I go, do you want one her or do you want whatever you want? You know what this little eighth grade boy said? He goes, I'll take one. I go, I know. And nobody had to tell you. It's what you're hardwired for. But here's the tragedy. He's never seen it. He's never seen it. I guess I want to ask you, what do you want? Maybe a better question is, will you trust God? That the very thing we have is a testimony that he knows what he's doing. Can you believe that? Sometimes we need to help each other, don't we? Don't be afraid of your sexual desire. Be aware of it. Have dominion over it. Start saying, if it's ruining you, say no more, man. It's too good. I got to get help with this. Make sense? Amen? Amen? Lord, thank you. You are good. Keep teaching us. Heal us. Restore us. And Lord, I pray for any here today that they would have no condemnation. They would know your mercy, your grace, your call to higher ground, the glory of your name. Thanks so much for listening to the Midlands Young Life Podcast. If you enjoyed this talk, share it with a friend. Leave us a review. This helps other leaders find us and get access to all this awesome resources. Thanks so much.